Song of Solomon chapter 1, and I'm going to read one verse uh, in just a moment. But leave your Bible open because I want to read a verse out of chapter 2 and chapter 8. As the, message, uh, as the message goes on. But I want you to notice with me just one more time as we examine this relationship uh, that exists between uh, the shepherd king Solomon and this Shulamite woman. And this text, chapter 1, it's, I've, I've preached, I don't know, probably 10 or 11 messages, I guess, out of the Song of Solomon. And I haven't even been in chapter 1 uh, where it all begins. But chapter 1 obviously is where it all begins. This is the introduction to our characters and really sets the scene for the entire drama that unfolds over the next few, uh, over the next few scenes. And so um, we find the Shulamite, when this thing opens, she is in love with uh, the shepherd king Solomon. But she feels these feelings of insecurity and inadequacy. She feels like she's not enough. Uh, for him, if you can imagine the the, the 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 idea, really, I guess is maybe she is uh, maybe from poverty, and uh, she she's not really uh, she's not really uh, 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 confident in the way that she looks. She don't think maybe I'm not good enough for a king, uh, and uh, and so you see and hear those feelings expressed in the first couple of verses, and uh, but what happens is after that. He comes and he praises her. He tells her how beautiful she is. He tells her how, how, uh, how much he loves her and desires her. And then it seems like her story changes just a little bit about herself. She starts to see herself through the eyes of the king. And I'm going to tell you something. That's, I'm not preaching on that, but man, I, I might later on. I reserve the right to come back and preach on that. Man, if we, we, we're down on ourselves a lot. And I know we have insecurities. We feel insufficiencies. I don't know about you, but every day of my life, I feel like the first thing when I wake up in the morning, I feel like, and I remember, oh yeah, I'm a pastor. I remember insufficiency like slaps me right in the face. I'm like, man, I, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm doing a horrible job. I'm not this and I'm not that. And we feel these feelings of insecurity. Maybe it's that way. Maybe you're a mom. Maybe... Whatever, maybe at your job or raising kids or, or, or trying to provide for your household or whatever it is, wherever God has you. Maybe you feel that way and you think about your flaws and you think about all your failures and you think about everything that's wrong with you and, uh, and, and, and you think about all that. But man, if we could see us like God sees us, if we could see ourselves like Jesus sees ourselves, I tell you, it would change our tune. And it's not pride in us. But it is, it, it is, it is uh, and knowing who we are in Christ. And that is so important if we're going to walk in victory in our life. We have to know who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, chapter 2, verse number 1, she goes on to say, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. A lot of times you'll find that, that that is attributed to the groom. That's attributed to him. But that's not him talking right there. That's her. She said, I am the rose of Sharon. I am the lily of the valleys. How does she know these things? How does she learn these things? Where does she come to this conclusion? Well, it's by looking at herself through the eyes of her, uh, of her beloved, the way that he sees her. See, the problem is, is when she sees herself as inadequate and she sees herself as insufficient to, uh, to a fault, what happens is she withdraws from fellowship. She feels like she's not worthy enough to be with him. But yet when she starts looking at herself through the eyes of her shepherd king, she realizes, hey, he loves me in spite of who I am. He loves me in spite of these things. I'm precious to him in spite of these things. And I tell you, you look at chapter 
chapter 2. They get really, really close in chapter 2. Uh, his left hand is under her head and his right hand is embracing her and all this. And I tell you, it's the same way in our lives with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we feel, when we just, we, we just keep looking in the mirror and we feel insufficient and I'm not there, you'll withdraw from fellowship. There's people right now, you won't, you won't worship God. You're having trouble worshiping God because you feel like you're not this and you're not that. Can I tell you, it's not about those things at all. It's about Him. It's about how wonderful He is. And if you could realize how much He loves you, it'd help you draw up close to them. Amen. There's some marriage advice in there too. But I'm not talking about that tonight. All right. Somebody asked me if we're going to have a question and answer session about Song of Solomon. No, we're not. You only get to hear what I want you to hear. All right. I don't want you asking me any questions about it. Oh, man. There's a lot of information. But, but, but I want to focus on Here's what I do have on my heart. I just I felt like I ought to say that, but here's what I do got on my heart tonight. There's 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 a, there's a comment that she makes uh, in verse six. I want to read verse six. Let's look. Here she is talking about her insecurities, her insufficiencies, her own flaws. She says in verse number six, "Look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me." They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. And I was reading this text, and that last phrase of verse number 6 jumped out at me, where she says, but my, mine own vineyard have I not And I want to preach on that just for a minute tonight. I want to preach on unkept vineyards. Unkept vineyards. Throughout this book of Song of Solomon and throughout the Bible, you'll find that vineyards are a picture of your life. They are an outward representation, uh, an agricultural illustration of our own personal life, specifically our spiritual life. You'll find Jesus himself using this analogy when he talks about John 15, the vine and the branches and all these things. He likens it into spiritual fruitfulness. It speaks of the fruit that comes out of our lives. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we producing? Are we producing fruit? What kind of fruit are we producing? And again, I'm in the area area of agriculture tonight, and you know I am oblivious to a lot of these things. I ought to, ought to plant a garden sometime. I ought to study some of these things a little better, but I do know this, that with any kind of gardening at all, uh, that there is one thing that is absolutely vital to the success of any garden. There is, absolute, there is something that is vital to the success of any vineyard, which I know a garden and a vineyard is not the same thing, but the principle is still the same. Fruit bearing, yielding, sowing, reaping, harvesting, all these things. And, and, and one of those things, the thing that is absolutely vital is upkeep. You have to keep up the vineyard. You, you have to keep up the garden. You cannot just let it do its own thing. There takes planting and cultivating and weeding and watering. It is the perfect analogy for our spiritual life because in the same sense of that a vineyard, a literal vineyard, takes literal upkeep and vine dressers and farmers and, 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 and people to tend the vineyard, just like that, your spiritual life does not just cultivate itself. There has to be intentional 
farming. There has to be intentional upkeep. There has to be a proactive effort made on our part to make sure that our vineyard is cultivated so that we might bring forth the biggest and best fruit that we possibly could for the glory and honor of God. But how many would you agree with me tonight in saying this, that so many times our spiritual lives are left unkept. They're left unchecked. They're left untended. Uh, you can't just, you can't just uh, put this thing on cruise control. There, there, was a, uh, there was an article there was an article years ago about a, a guy that bought a Winnebago and he thought cruise control meant autopilot. It's not the same thing. And uh, he didn't understand. And so he put his Winnebago on cruise control and he went to make him a sandwich in the back. And obviously that didn't turn out too well. Well, I think there's a lot of people that feel the same way. With, there's, you, there is no autopilot for the Christian life. How many of you know this? We're not tending toward being more spiritual. You, you, you go without reading your Bible. You go without prayer. You go without the fellowship of the other believers. You go without, without church attendance. You go without communion with God and fellowship with God. You go without repentance and you go leave sin unchecked in your life. And I'm going to tell you what, you are headed for absolute ruin in your spiritual life. There's got to be upkeep. Right? There's got to be upkeep. It's so simple. Flip back with me just a couple pages. Jump over Ecclesiastes to the left. Your Bible. And find Proverbs. This is the words of Solomon. Look at what he says. Solomon gives us a picture of this unkept vineyard in Proverbs 24. Look at verse number 30. Proverbs 24 and verse 30. He said, I went by the field of the slothful. You know what the slothful is, right? Lazy. Lazy. Slothful is just another name for millennial, I think, if you look it up. It's what it says. It says, I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Look what he said. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. He said, the lazy man who will not get up and keep his vineyard and get the thorns out and get the weeds out and get the nettles out and, and, and make sure that there's nothing choking the life out of those, uh, those vines and, and those branches so that they might produce fruit uh, for the pleasure of, uh, of others. Uh, he says that person is a lazy man and he will come to poverty. He will have absolutely nothing. And I tell you what, this, that, that, that description right there that we just read in Proverbs 24, that reminds me so much of, of what is going on these days uh, in, our, in, our, in our churches and in our lives. Nobody wants to put in the work that it takes to bear fruit spiritually. Lazy. Slothful. I'm going to tell you what, it takes work to bear fruit. It just does. It takes intentionality. It takes discipleship. Following Jesus, obeying Him, reminds us that the Christian life, it doesn't just happen. There's got to be discipline and effort in order to bring forth good fruit. That's why we have revival meetings. Revival meetings are time for some spiritual upkeep. 
It's a time for us to be intentional about our vineyards, our spiritual life. Should we be in a state of revival every day? Absolutely. Are we? No. So you know what we need? Hey, let's set aside. We set aside time for vacations. We set aside time for this and that. Ain't nothing wrong with them things. But man, we set aside time to meet with God and say, Lord, inspect my vineyard. Tell me what's going on and what it is. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. That's what happens. We get lulled to sleep by this world and and we forget and we neglect and and we we disregard that which God has entrusted to us, our spiritual life. and, And we're in a state of sleeping. And you know what revival is? Revival is when sleepy Christians wake up. And realize, hey, we need to do something about this vineyard. Amen. We need it. We need it. Because too many vineyards are going unkept. Just like she said in that verse. She said, my own vineyard have I not kept. My own vineyard have I not kept. If your spiritual life was a vineyard, what would it look like? Would it look like this one Solomon described in the Proverbs? We've all seen those type of <clears throat> spaces. Vines growing over, the grass is tall, everything. I mean, just, just, a, just a mess. And you know what? Although I don't want necessarily people coming by my house and judging me based on what's going on on the outside. But you would be right if you were to walk, come by my house and think, that man doesn't do anything with those plants. You would be absolutely right. And that's why they're dying outside. <laughs> but I'm talking about spiritually tonight. If your spiritual life was a vineyard, what would it look like? Will you wake up? Will you get to work? Will you clear out the weeds? Man, I wish you would. And as I read through the Song of Solomon, I noticed a couple of place where, places where the vineyards pop up here. I just want to make, just very quickly, I want to make an application to our spiritual life here. It pops up here in chapter 1. It's in chapter something another and in chapter 8. 1, 2, and 8. And I want to just, when I, when I read these verses, I, 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 what I saw was I saw there's three issues, three issues that cause us to end up with a vineyard that is unkept and all grown over. Uh, First of all, I would say that uh, one of the first issues that cause our vineyards to be unkept, I want to call it this, demand issues. Demand issues. I want you to notice in our text, this is the verse that we read, verse number 6. I want you to notice that the Shulamite's vineyard is unkept. But I want you to look here. It's not because she's lazy. It's not, it's not what Solomon was talking about in Proverbs 24. It's not the sluggard reason. It's not the slothful reason. It's not the sleepy reason. That's not, that's not what's going on. Her vineyard is unkept because she was busy keeping everybody else's vineyards. You see that in verse 6? Look not upon me because I am black. Because the sun hath looked upon me, my mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Now, I want you to notice, and we don't know everything about her home life, everything about her upbringing, but it seems like to me that there's almost like this Cinderella thing going on here. Where she has siblings that unfairly and unjustly make her do the majority of the work. 
You keep my vineyard. You keep it looking good. You keep it looking nice. You can't go to the ball. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's not what I'm you, 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 keep, you keep everything right. And they put demands on her. And it seems like they're angry with her. That's what she says. She says, I feel like everybody is angry on me. They're never satisfied with me. They always demand more out of me. And, and, and there are all these responsibilities uh, uh, that, that I have to do. And I was, I, I don't know if she was forced to do it. Maybe she was a people pleaser and she couldn't say no because she felt like people would be angry with her and they would not like her if she told them no. But whatever it was, she had the demand of so many people on her life and she she was busy trying to please everybody else that she let her own vineyard get all messed up. How about that? Does anybody know what it's like to have demands of life on you? Have so many demands on you, your family and your job and your career and, 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 and all the things going on all in the church and all the and, and everything. It just seems like, and that's one of the curses of this generation is everybody has a million things going on all the time. Everybody does. We hardly have time to breathe, don't we? Doesn't it seem like it wasn't that way years ago? I mean, I wasn't around years ago, so I don't know. Thank you, Brother Lawrence. <laughs> Man, it just seems like we're in a pressure cooker all the time. If you don't think this world is a pressure cooker and everybody's in a hurry and everybody's got somewhere to be, you let the light turn green and just sit there for three seconds. Count to three. You might hear some words you ain't never heard before. You might see some people waving at you like, I ain't never seen nobody wave at me like that. Why don't they use all their fingers? I don't know why. I've never seen it like that. It must be a North Carolina thing. This world's crazy, man. Everybody's, everybody's full of just stress and pressure and got many things to do. And go, 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 go. You got to do this. You got to go here. You got to do that. And I'm for kids playing ball. I'm for, I'm for all that stuff. I, I, I think it's great. I think, I think, man, you ought to work hard. I'm for that. I'm for, I'm for vacation. I think that's great. I'm for doing as much as you can. I'm for all these things. But I'm going to tell you something. If you do all these things and you neglect your own vineyard, I'm going to tell you something. You won't be doing all these things very long. And if you live your life trying to please everybody all the time, listen, you ain't going to please nobody none of the time. And I found that to be true. And finally, you just give up and say, I hate everybody. And you just give up. There's got to be an answer. There's got to be, there's got to be something better than that. And it's so easy to let your spiritual life get overgrown. You got to get up and you got to do this and you got to do that. And then you know what? One day you forget to read your Bible and another day you forget to read your Bible. And then it's easy. Well, we're just so tired. We're going to skip church Wednesday night. And we're not going to go to this night of revival. Well, Sunday night's tough. And you know, it's family night. It's the only time I got to do this and do that. And, and then it's a Sunday morning and then it's two and then it's three and then it's a month. And then all of a sudden your whole spiritual life is gone kaput. And then your family's broke up and your whole life's ruined. And just, how about that? Nobody sets out for that kind of stuff. What happens is they start neglecting their vineyard. The key, the solution to this problem is to prioritize your life and then to guard those priorities like a bulldog. 
And there are things that are important. And then there are things that are most important. And you got to learn that. Important things are important. But most important things are most important. It's pretty profound, isn't it? What's most important? Look up here. I'm going to tell you what's most important thing. Let me tell you what numero uno is in your life. You ready? It's your walk with God. That's number one. When that falls apart, when that's out of place, everything's out of place. And what our problem is, is that here's what I found. I, I wear so many hats, and you do too. I'm no more busy than anybody else. Some of y'all are probably busier than I am. But I wear so many hats. I'm a husband, and I'm a father, and I'm a pastor, and I'm, I do the work of an evangelist. I preach out a little bit, and I'm a friend, and I'm a son, and I'm a provider, and I'm this. I'm a gym partner for somebody sometimes when I, when I go. <laughs> I'm all kind of, I, have all these, I have all these demands on my life. I'm a preacher. All these things going on in my life all the time. And I tell you what, first and foremost, I'm going to tell you what I am. I am a child of God. And if I neglect my walk with God, I'm going to tell you what I find out. I find out that those other things and ten other things that I am, they crush me. They just smother me up. But you know what I found? I found when I prioritize that walk with God, even if i got to tell somebody no or move this or move that or move that, and I am where I need to be with God and I keep my own vineyard right and I got it clean and everything's kept up the way it needs to be in my own spiritual life, my own spirit, i tell you what I found out. I found out that I can actually be a better daddy. I can be a better husband. I can be a better preacher. I can be a better pastor. I can be a better friend. I can be a better... It's like, it's like, it's like you simplify the struggle by being a singular focused person. Keep up your own vineyard and then out of that will flow everything else in your life. That's not my, I didn't come up with that. That's what Jesus said. This is the Matthew 6.33 principle. I love Matthew 6.33. I use this for about everything in my life when it comes to prioritizing things in my life and that is seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That is, a, that is a verse of priority. That is a statement of priority. Seek God and His things first. My Bible comes first. God comes first. Prayer comes first. Church comes first. The things of God comes first. And then you know what I found out? I put that first and everything else. Everything else just falls into place the way it ought to be. And if it don't fall into place, if it falls out of my life, you know what? It shouldn't have been there to begin with. Some people are too busy because they got too many things going on. You got things going on you have no business doing. Why is it when, why is it when there's a competition for your time between the things of God and the things of this world? Why does God always have to take the back seat? When's the last time you told the world, no, no, we're going to go with God? How about that? If we keep giving and working on all these things, like the guy on the 
Guinness Book of World Records with the, with the poles and the plates, and you're trying to spin and keep everything spinning. And he spins this one over here, and he spins this one over here, and he spins this one over here, and this one over here, and he tries to keep it all from falling down. I'll tell you, that's a miserable way to live, isn't it? I'll tell you what, if you'll just keep that one plate spinning, your walk with God, I'll tell you what God will do. He'll keep the other one spinning for you. It's a lot more simple way to live. The demands of life will keep you from keeping your vineyard where it needs to be. If you keep giving but you never keep up your own vineyard, I tell you what, you won't be giving, you won't be giving much longer. You won't have anything else to give. You'll be out. It's called burnout is what it is. Burnout is when you've been giving, 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 but you've not been putting anything in. And what you need to put in, it's not what you think. See, the world, they tell you what you, oh, you need you time. You need you time. You need a vacation is what you need. No, you come back from your vacation, you're just as tired as you were when you left. Because the things that burnt you out for your left, they're waiting on you when you get back. That's not the answer. Now, take a vacation, but that ain't the answer for burnout. Don't, don't expect a vacation to solve things vacations aren't meant to solve. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. What you, the world says, you need you time. You need, you. You need, to, you need more time. You need to go get a, a facial or you need to go have a spa day or whatever. You time. Ain't nothing wrong with all those things, I don't guess. But I'm going to tell you something. Those things that burnt you out, they're still going to be there waiting on you. There's only one that can give you rest for your soul. His name's Jesus. And that's where you'll find your rest is in Him. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. How about that? You know what a yoke's for? Yoke's for work, by the way. Jesus said, hey, come with me and take a vacation with me. No, he says, I got a yoke for you, but what you'll find is when you're serving me and you're walking with me and you're where you need to be with me, you'll find rest. Your soul will be at rest. There's a peace in that. Demand issues. Man, I spent enough time on that one, didn't I? I got two more. Go to chapter two just for a second. I've already, I kind of dealt with this one in another message, so I'm not going to deal with it long. I'm going to call this one discernment issues. Discernment issues. Not only demand issues, but discernment issues. I'm just going to read one verse. It's verse number 15. You remember this verse? Take us the foxes, the little foxes that what? Spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes discernment. It's this proverb that settled right in the middle of this song. The idea here is this, and you know this, we've all used this little proverb right here. It's little foxes, they spoil the vines. Little foxes spoil the vines. What, what do we mean when we say that? What we're saying is this, is that it is little things that can cause big problems. Little things cause big problems. Little things. Think problems we allow in our vineyard. Our vineyard is that spiritual life. You remember, that's the application we're making tonight. Those foxes are things that want to spoil. They want to take the fruit, rob the fruit, spoil the vines. Take the, take the spoil. And the idea here is that these little things that we allow in our life can cause some really big issues. So you know what we got to do? We have to have some discernment of what we allow in our lives and what we run off from our lives. You see, some people, their spiritual life, their vineyard is just, come one, come all. Their, their spiritual, their vine, their vineyard is the golden corral for anybody and everybody that wants to just come in and have anything they want. 
I'm going to tell you something. You better not have, you better put some protective measures. You better implement some protective strategies for your spiritual life. Every vineyard needs a fence. You need a fence and a shotgun is what you need. And you need to try to keep the varmints out and you need to run them off if they happen to get in. You cannot just let anything and everything come into your life. You need some discernment to know what to allow and what, and what to run off. The problem is, is that there's some people and they let just absolutely anything and they let absolutely everything into their life. They have no discernment whatsoever. I'm going to tell you something. There ought to be some things you're against. If you're for everything and there's nothing you're against. That, listen, there ought to be some TV shows you're against. There ought to be some music you're against. There ought to be some apparel that you're against. There ought to be some activities that you're against. I, listen, these people are just so open-minded, their brains are falling out, their lives are a mess, their spiritual lives are in ruin because they allow these things to come in their life and then they cause big problems down the road. Little compromises cause big problems. Oh, especially it happens when their kids get teenagers. Ah, let them wear that. Ah, let them go that. Let them have that. Let them do that. It's fine. And then, boom, big problems. I'll tell you what you did. You let little foxes come in and spoil your vines. Put your fence back up. Repair the wall. Repair the fences. Build them higher. Build the wall. You're all for Trump building a wall. How about a wall? How come you're, how come you're for Trump building a wall around the country and you let anything and everything in your spiritual life? Come on now, hypocrite. Hey, man. Everybody okay? That's right. Man, you're for, oh, we got, we got to keep these people out of our country. And you let anything and everything just waltz right into your life. Anything in your ears, anything in your eyes, anything in your life. God help. And you wonder why your spiritual life's in ruin. Your vineyard is a mess. It's because no discernment. You don't have enough discernment to say, no, we ain't doing that. We need some daddies with some backbones is what we need. Stand up and tell their family, say, no, we ain't doing that. We ain't going there. You ain't going out of the house looking like that. You ain't hanging out over there. Absolutely not. Amen. Because you let them look, them little compromises, them little foxes, and then before you know it, you got a vineyard that's absolutely decimated. Amen. Demand issues. Discernment issues. I'll give you one last one and I'm done. Distraction issues. Go to chapter 8. Look at verse 11. It said, Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He let out the vineyard unto keepers. Every one for the fruit thereof was to bring a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, which is mine, is before me. Thou, O Solomon, must have a thousand, and those that keep the fruit thereof, two hundred. Those are interesting verses right there. I had to think about that just for a minute, but here's what those verses are saying. She is mentioning here one of Solomon's business ventures. Solomon was a wise man, wasn't he? He was a wealthy man, and he was a wise man. He was a businessman. He knew how to make money. And one of the ways that he made money was that he had 
a vineyard at Baal Haman. And he leased this vineyard out. He let it out, leased it out to some tenant farmers. And the way that this deal worked, as best I can figure, was the deal was that he gets a thousand pieces of silver and they get to keep 200 pieces of silver. Pretty smart dude, wasn't it? He's doing something right with his land. That was the business deal. Now, she mentions that for a reason. I'm not gonna, that's not necessarily what I want to look at tonight. But I want you to notice as she's speaking about Solomon's big vineyard and all the business ventures that he's got going on with his vineyard over there, look what she says in verse number 12 about her vineyard. She said, My vineyard, which is mine, is before me. You know what that word before means? It means in front of me. It's in my view. I'm keeping an eye on it. Now, isn't that the opposite of what she said in chapter 1? My vineyard's unkept. It looks like now by the time we got to chapter 8, by the time we get to the end of the song here, she's not focusing on her family's vineyards. In fact, she's not even really focusing on Solomon's vineyard, although she tells us about it. But she is keeping her attention on her own vineyard. That's good advice. Keep attention on your own vineyard. And while you could go around and try to figure out what everybody else is doing with theirs and how they're doing in their vineyard, some of the best thing, one of the best things that you'll ever do is keep your eyes on your own vineyard and make sure your front porch is clean before you go around trying to sweep everybody else's. Can I get an amen right there? Reminds me of, we're not going to take time to go there tonight, but it reminds me of the conversation that Peter and Jesus had in John 21. (laughs) You remember that? Jesus said, when you get old, you know, they're going to, yeah, lead you around wherever you don't, places you don't even want to go. And then Peter looks at Jesus and says, What shall this man do? He's pointing at John. And I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, what is that to thee? Like, here's what he says. What does that have to do with you? That has nothing to do with you. I just gave you a job. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. I'm telling you what's going to happen in the future. What does it matter if I do? And I like the way Jesus, what if I let John stay until I come back? And then that starts a whole rumor in and of itself. You can read it in John 21. But Jesus said, even if I did, what if I take John and I beam him up into a UFO? What does that have to do with you? It doesn't matter, Peter. You got a job. And you know what? You cannot be a vine keeper and a busybody at the same time. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking about not caring for people. And I'm not talking about, uh, you see, usually the carnal, carnal people really like this idea of, hey, everybody leave me alone, let me sin and don't bother me. That's not what we're talking about either. But we are talking about focusing on our spiritual life. And one of the best things you could ever do is study to be quiet, work with your own hands, mind your own business, and make sure you are where you need to be. Because if you go around trying to keep everybody else's vineyard, I'm going to tell you what, your vineyard's going to look like a pile of mess. <laughs> vineyard ain't going to look any good at all. It's going to suffer. 
And comparison is such a wasteful distraction, isn't it? It's not fruitful. It doesn't accomplish anything. It has two outcomes, and neither one of them are good. I was pulling out of the driveway yesterday. Brother Sean come by and cut my grass. Thank you, Brother Sean. And I was pulling out of the driveway yesterday. And it's not Brother Sean's fault. It's not the height or the, the grass or anything like that. But I just got a bunch of weeds and stuff. I don't know. It's not been there before, but it is this year for whatever reason. I'm sure it's my fault in some way. I have no idea what's going on. Good thing it's only 0.24 acres. It's not that much to worry about. But we were pulling out of the driveway, and I thought, eh, not really. Don't look exactly. It wasn't, the, it wasn't Brother Sean. It was the, the content, not the, not the height of the grass. Oh, eh, it's not really looking like I wanted to look. And then I looked over at my neighbors on this side. And I thought, you know what? Because we're all close together, you know, little neighborhood, little cookie-cutter houses. I look over, and their they're yard's just right there. And I look over, and I thought, well, at least it don't look like theirs. Their yard looks horrible. We live next door to some Koreans. They, do the nail, they run the nail salon. We had a big, uh, what kind of tree did we have? Peach tree. We had a peach tree in the yard. And they would come over there and get all the peaches. Because we didn't eat them. We don't eat, I don't eat peaches. And they said, like, why you no like? Why you no like? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't. Take them or don't. Leave me alone. No, I'm just kidding. Quit asking me questions. But their yard looks horrible. They're not watching online, so I can say this. I promise you they're not. If they were, they wouldn't be able to understand what I'm saying, I don't think. Their yard looks horrible. And I, remember, I looked over and I thought, man, at least our yard don't look like that. But then I looked over on the other side. Now, that guy keeps his yard nice. He probably hates me. But I thought, man, but it don't look that good. God's yard's nice. It's nice and green. And you know what I learned? Either side of it. Either side's not good. You look over here, you know what you do? You get filled up with pride. Huh. My vineyard's better than there. That's called pride. That's not good. In fact, your vineyard might not be as good as you think it is, if that's the kind of things we're thinking. And then you look over on that side and you think, man, my vineyard ain't like that. Well, that's called despair and depression and discouragement. That's not of God either. Either way. I tell you what would be a good idea. What, what if I just figured out why these weeds are coming in my yard and I try to just work on that? That'd be a novel idea, wouldn't it? What if I just trimmed my bushes? What if I just made things, fixed my mulch beds, made them look a little better? Don't worry about what they're doing over here. And don't worry about what he's doing over there. Man, I wish I could do that in my spiritual life sometimes. Because so many people, they're worried about them and they're worried about them. And all the while, their own yard looks like a mess. She said, my vineyard, my vineyard is before me. It's in front of me. It's in my view. Solomon can do what he wants to do with his vineyards. Everybody else can do whatever they want to do with their vineyard. But I'm going to keep an eye on my own vineyard. Miss Maddie, I want you to come around. So that, that's the question tonight. Is how is your vineyard? That's a good question going into revival, ain't it? How is your vineyard? Are there some weeds that need to be pulled? Are there some foxes that need to be run off? Are there some fences that need to be built back? Are there some branches that need to be purged? And if the Holy Ghost 
just told you what it was. Would you do it? Would you say yes to the Holy Spirit? Or are you going to be like that sluggard, like that sloth, like that sleepy one? It's just so content with a messy vineyard, not willing to get up, put in a little work, put in a little effort. Only problem with that is no fruit. All those thorns and nettles and all that, they choke the vines. No fruit. And the problem with that is, is not that you just don't get any fruit. But if, you're a, if you have a vineyard, that's a source of income. If you don't have any fruit, then you don't have any money. And that's why he says at the end of that proverb right there, so shall thy poverty come. Look around, you don't have anything. Man, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to not have anything. Because I was too lazy. Too sleepy. Too unwilling. Too distracted. Looking at everybody else. Going around inspecting everybody else's vineyards with my clipboard. All the while, my vineyard is a mess. I don't want to be that. I don't want to have an unkept vineyard. God showed me what I need to do. Let's pick up a tool. Let's get to work. Let's get to work for the glory of God. Let's stand together all over.